just uh, literally winged his way back from Sri Lanka, where he's been um, uh, out ministering in, up in the wilds of beyond, up in the hills with a, on, a, on a youth camp. I'm slightly jealous, but because I was going on sabbatical, I did, he did ask me to go with him, and the church out there wanted me to go, but I thought, you know, given I've only just not been out there that long ago, like you, Paul, um, but I, because I'm going on sabbatical, it didn't seem probably the right time, but I hear you had a great time, and with the leaders as well, so we're praying for you, so it's great to have you here. I'm going to pray for you, and then um, hand over. Father, thank you for Paul and Sue, for their ministry and love and service in this city to your church. And Lord, we want to pray your blessing on them as they continually give out, as um, Paul's been away and Sue's been holding everything together. And Lord, for Paul as he's traveled and back here, Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to hear what it is you want to say to us through his words tonight. Lord, continue to inspire him and anoint him in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thanks. Can you hear okay? Julie, can you hear me? I'm only, I'm only checking because you're the furthest away. It wasn't a kind of like wake up. <laughs> uh, send it up. Speak up. Or get louder. Well, it sounds a bit shouty then, doesn't it? Like I'm telling you off. Um, she don't ask. Don't whisper, Tamsin. I can't hear you. Okay, can you go to Revelation chapter 2? If you have your Bible, if you have your iPhone, you can either do that or pretend you are and read your latest messages. I'm going to pray again because um, I can. Oh, goodness gracious. These, um, these letters are, for me, profoundly challenging. And I really don't want to stand here and do a nice message on a church. It just, I, I want to pray. But as we're in his word, well, I'll pray it, then you won't hear what I'm going to pray. So can we just pray again? Okay, as we look in his word. So Holy Spirit, we ask you that you will blow on the embers of our hearts and light flames in this room. Move us, stir us, awaken us, Holy Spirit, so that we're fit to be all you want us to be in this hour. Help us, please to let your word become like fire in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's read it. Uh, this is verse eight. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty Yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. <laughs> These are sort of hefty words for a Sunday night, aren't they? Like some people complain they can't find peas in Sainsbury's, and this is a slightly different level. Just thought I'd put it in perspective, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> Be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. So uh, 
I think it's great you guys are going through these letters. Uh, Sue and I have been sort of, I don't know, caught by the book of Revelation since December, I think it is, and things that triggered it and, and made us kind of say, oh God, I, I find this book pretty difficult. Will you give us a way in where my heart can be overcome by Jesus? And personally, you can take it from where you are, I feel like the Lord is awakening his church in this hour like never before. That's my personal conviction. He's awakening the church. So these letters are profound, they're challenging. I'm just gonna go through this verse by verse and try and make some comments and we can pray at the end of it. So you probably from last week um, become aware that the letters follow a pattern. The interesting thing about Smyrna, which is north of Ephesus, I found that out from my study Bible, in case Mary was here and she is here, north of Ephesus. The interesting thing about Smyrna is, in my understanding, it's actually quite similar to Bath, which is going to be interesting as we tag through what's happening in Smyrna. And Smyrna was a beautiful, central city, proud, uh, very beautiful trade center, but it was also a city whose ultimate allegiance was to the emperor in Rome. So it was like kind of, it was proud of its allegiance to the Roman emperor. So much so, apparently, that several times they built altar, uh, they built temples in honor of the emperor and would go in and sacrifice to him. Can you get the picture? So I'm not saying that's what Bath does, but Bath has a history. Mm -hmm. And so there is a bit of similarity. So very proud, very beautiful, very central and very, very allied to the emperors in Rome. And so at the beginning of each letter, you're probably aware, um, there's a description about Jesus that comes from chapter one each time. Maybe one or two things starts the letter. Personally, I would suggest the whole of the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. And once you get that, everything else becomes easier to navigate when you realize it is all about the Lamb, Jesus, which I love. And so what he says here, he just takes up two, two things about him at the beginning. Of him who is the first and the last who died and came to life again. That was from chapter one. How many of you kind of, oh, it's got it there. Thank you. I didn't know you had it there. That's very good. Okay. So first and last, what does that mean? I may tease you with questions in case I don't know and pretend I do. Okay, first and last, what does that imply? That's pretty good, thanks Joel. Whew. Okay, what it means is the king is everlasting, there's no one before him, there's no one after him, he's completely in charge of history, he is the author and the finisher, there's no one like Jesus, he is the ultimate king over it all, he's the king of all history, right? And by the way, that's quite helpful at the moment to remember he is the king over it all. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth, chapter one says. And he's the, he's the one who was dead and is alive, which means resurrection hallmarks the ultimate goal of Jesus on earth, which is to beat to pieces death and Hades. Yeah, which is quite encouraging because death and Hades had power once to trap people forever in desolate isolation, and Jesus rising from the grave 
took the keys of death, took the keys of Hades, and said, now I'm in charge, and you can no longer bind men and women to an eternal sense of isolation and desolateness. I've got the keys of death and Hades. Good news. Yes? So that's how we're starting the letter. You look almost quite sober already, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> By the way, can I suggest to you that Rome is, was not only the um, empire, but it stands for the spirit of this world, which is an empire spirit that says, we are God, you must conform, and if you do and bow down, you can be included in our empire. Why is that significant right now? Well, because I suggest all over the earth, that same spirit is in operation like crazy. We're the top, we're the God, you do what we say. If you utterly conform, we will include you, but you have to conform to what we say. Okay, is that all right? I'm, I'm just dancing through some stuff to get us going, okay? So that's the introduction to Jesus in Smyrna. Let's carry on with verse 9. This wasn't such small print. Okay. I know your afflictions and poverty, yet you are rich. I know your afflictions and poverty, yet you are rich. I, I'm just going to say this real quick. You know, sometimes when, does anybody have any sort of struggles here ever in your journey? No, thank you, Tim. Could you see Tim afterwards, please? He's completely, but, but. For me, when I've been at the worst, and I cannot compare myself, by the way, to some of what was happening then, but I want to talk about it because when I've been at my worst afflictions, I've often wondered, Jesus, is this my fault? Have I brought this on myself? This is pretty bad. You ever get that little question? You do look sanctified tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Penny. All right. So... So, because sometimes when you go through the worst of valleys, it awakens or arouses all sorts of uncertainties, like, is this my fault? Did I bring it upon me? God, where are you? Have you sort of stepped away? Have you left me because I cannot sense your presence now, and I'm in real, real affliction? And uh, I've written down here, there's a... Um, there's a word for affliction that's a Greek word, just to impress those of you who are Greek. And it's called thlipsis. Say thlipsis. Say it. It's difficult, isn't it? Thlipsis. Thlipsis. Okay, I'm trying. <laughs> um, do you know what it means? It means a crushing pressure. And here's Jesus saying, I know your crushing pressure. And the I know isn't the king only saying, I'm in charge of all the facts, I'm all-knowing, all-powerful, I've got it recorded. It's not that sense, it's what Tim said just now. He's a deeply caring shepherd, and at the worst of times, he looks, if you like, into your journey and says, I do know, and I do care. I know your, there's a kind of a beautiful sense of the shepherd all around those who are worst afflicted saying, I am with you, and I know what's going on. And here's Jesus saying, I know about your crushing pressures. And that word apparently is like someone lying on the ground with a huge boulder on them, and the boulder is so huge, it's gradually squeezing the life out of them. This is cheery stuff tonight, by the way, okay. I know your afflictions and your poverty because of persecution. Um, it's interesting, by the way, in Smyrna, there is no word of correction, which is in all the other letters. 
you, you figured that, didn't you? Last week was, what was wrong with Ephesus? Say it again, Carol. Lost their first love, which I'm sure was quite a profound <laughs> challenge last week because every one of us goes, <gasps> but we need the correction of the shepherd himself. But in this letter, there's no correction. It's the one letter, there's no two letters. One letter at least, there's no correction, okay? So this isn't like they've done something wrong and so the afflictions and stuff is because they've gone off the track. It isn't like that. Jesus, there's no, there's no correction. In fact, I think they've been really faithful. I know your afflictions and your poverty. And it's like uh, Jesus is saying, I know what's going on. And then he says, if you look in verse uh, 10, <laughs> he says, and there's more to come. Like, there's some more suffering coming. How many of you would love that kind of word when you're having a, 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 an intense pressure going on and you think, well, Jesus is the one who delivers me, of course. Do you know, these are difficult things, aren't they, to figure out because we all love the breakthrough. Like Jesus is saying, I know how bad it is. I know it's been really, really stressful. And I'm about to come down and deliver you, Psalm 18 or something. Yes, good. And that's true, true, true. But I, I, I want to suggest that all of us have got to grow up enough to understand that sometimes, actually, there's something going on more deeper than him simply delivering us from pressure because there is persecution in the Christian journey. This is such good news. But I tell you what, unless we talk about it openly, when the pressure really comes and you're not delivered, some people take offense at God and log off him. And I believe the Spirit of God is awakening his people at this time because things are getting more troublesome and I think he's preparing us in our hearts to understand better the eternal nature of the pilgrims is not just about this earth. And so Jesus says, yeah, I know these things. And then he says, but you're rich. Like the earth will outcast you, will cast you out, but you are rich. What's that about when you're in the worst of affliction and Jesus looks at you and says, you may think you're at the worst point, but I'm telling you, you're rich. Those are big things and challenging, aren't they? Yeah. And the challenge of crushing pressure isn't, isn't to get offended at the Lord. How many have ever heard of someone who's stopped their journey of faith because they just got offended that God didn't do what they wanted him to do. Do you know anybody like that? I, I've got friends, who and I have got friends in the whole of our nearly 50 years. I can look back and think, oh, ouch. They got really offended at God and then they stepped off the journey of the pilgrimage of faith and said, I'm done. You know, God didn't show up like I said. And you said he was a good, good father. And I honestly want to say, I believe we're being prepared for certain afflictions and if we understand the eternal call of God upon our lives, we will not get so offended when actually they continue to be quite straining and stressful. I don't know how to express this. Is this okay? I don't find this letter easy. <laughs> but do you know what? Unless we grow up, we are going to be offended. Like he's a sugar daddy. He didn't show up. He's not a sugar daddy. He's the first and the last. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. This is Jesus, the lover of our souls, who also happens to be loosing his kingdom on this earth in an unstoppable way. So I want to just highlight, oh, it's almost got to the clock. I wanted to highlight 
three sources of friction, can I? Um, because I actually find when I did them, I thought these are all relevant to today. Three sources of affliction, crushing pressure that feels like it's almost overwhelming us. The first one is this, is, is the clash of two kingdoms. The clash of two kingdoms. You, how many of you know we are in a war, aren't we? There are two kingdoms. And in the middle of Smyrna and in the middle of Bath, there is a clash of two kingdoms that we have to kind of constantly remind ourselves is at the heart of sometimes the affliction that's going on. Remember, Rome, the allegiance of Smyrna to Rome. Don't you think there's some weird allegiances and alliances going on at the moment? On the earth, aren't there? Are you watching kind of <gasps> shifts of power and domineering and dominant kind of emperor-like men and women? And here's this allegiance to the emperor in Rome that stands for the spirit of this world that the whole of Smyrna was doing, building temples. And then on the other side is the most beautiful community of lovers of Jesus, whose allegiance is not to Rome, but to a higher authority that we've been singing of tonight, Jesus the King. How many of you know that's a conflict? And how many of you figured there's some real tension going on at the moment about who has allegiance to who? Politically? Well, let's say politically, for starters. And so here's, here's the kingdom of heaven breaking into Smyrna in this beautiful community. And what they're saying is, we will not bow down, if you like, and worship the emperor in Rome. That empire spirit is a vile offense to the king of heaven who wants to rule and reign. And so those two communities, the Smyrna and the beautiful saints of God, were in direct conflict. That's why the afflictions and the poverty, and if you read the accounts, then things like this would happen if you were a follower of Jesus, your house would be taken away. No one would trade with you doing business. You'd be ostracized. You wouldn't be able to buy and sell food and stuff like that. You'd even be slung into prison. And here's the sort of shocking thing with all this good news of persecution. <laughs> I read this morning, um, uh, how many of you know Open Doors? The, the, yeah, a lot of you know. The, the I just happen, sometimes I pick up the day, you know, what to pray, which nation to pray for. But I picked up the 50 top nations booklet. Has anybody got that and seen that? Yeah. And, and I just started reading it, and I thought, oh, my goodness. I meant to bring it. The first page is describing in the earth exactly what was happening in the book of Revelation. And it said, for instance, there are 360 million followers of Jesus that are under intense persecution. Not medium, intense persecution. That sort of stuff of, you know, houses burnt. <laughs> Could you stay with the bad news? Because I have got some good news at the end of this, okay? But, but it, honestly, we are in a period of immense conflict between the two kingdoms. There's a heavenly invasion of the earth, and there's an outright resistance from the political empire spirit that doesn't want the gospel to gain any traction. And by the way, Jesus wins. But it's good sometimes to be aware there are 360 million. And I was reading accounts of, you know, Somalia and Sudan. And I was going through thinking, do, do, do you know that there is a, 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 a jihadic strategy to take the whole of Africa as the first Islamic continent? 
and don't be afraid. But it's shocking, isn't it? We're not in normal times. Okay, so that was the first one. The afflictions and the poverty are because of the war between the two kingdoms. And I would like to suggest to you that's exactly so in Bath. A proud, beautiful city whose allegiance is to other powers than Jesus and a beautiful community like you, the kind of little communities around the city who worship the king and say, our allegiance is to you, even if I get slung into prison because I will not bow down and worship another name. That's the first point. You still there? You got very quiet now. I I've got a wonderful scripture at the end in case you go out crying. Can you, could you just keep your finger in there and go to 2 Timothy, by the way? Because, you know, sometimes we don't read the difficult scriptures. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 12. Uh, <laughs> this is... Paul's saying, the persecution I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Now watch this verse. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yay, yippee. Wow, what a promise. In fact, like Paul says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What do you think? Oh, not in England. We're okay. We're safe. Wouldn't be in the Western world. It's over there, isn't it? That's, that's where the bad stuff happens. Again, I want to say it, you know, because Sue and I, we, we've been over the last year in some element of God. Please, please. You know, prepare our hearts. Help us to be awake. Help us to be so in love with you, Jesus, that whatever happens, we will not bow down to another name. And some of us have talked, haven't we, Tim, myself and others, of what's coming our way that we need to be prepared for, not afraid of, prepared for. Right, that was point one. I'd better go on to point two before some of you go into a sort of phone a friend. Look. Uh, verse 9. Oh, I, I went out of back into Revelation. Okay, verse 9. Will you stay with me on this? All right. Here's the second point. I know the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. <laughs> right. Good. Thank you, Jesus. That's um, quite direct, really. <laughs> it's kind of, so there was this Jewish, part of the Jewish community in Smyrna were fiercely opposed to the Christians such so that they would slander them, tell stories about them, and if necessary, they would report them to the Roman authorities and say, these Christians have been doing this and they, they don't want your emperor and all that kind of stuff. And, and so the Jews who were doing that, Jesus is saying, they're not real Jews. They're a synagogue of Satan. Right. So um, I want to suggest to you that the enemy has put a fear in the church of speaking out directly about certain things that it may be time for us to speak. I want to suggest it, that there's almost a fear. I mean, sometimes it's not Jesus isn't loving and kind and compassionate and shepherd, but sometimes you're a synagogue of Satan. Oh, uh, Jesus, don't you love them? Shouldn't we just rescue them with a bit of loving 
I honestly believe there's a strange subduedness that I myself had to own up to where I've sometimes not said fully and directly when I need to, to call something out for what it is. I thought he was loving. Of course he is. I thought he was a shame. Of course he is. But he is the king. And if you like, in order to rescue those who want to be rescued, sometimes we have to speak the truth directly. There is a strange subdueness. And you know, you know what goes through my heart sometimes? Well, perhaps people will get all, you know, horrible if I say something. Perhaps, perhaps it'll divide people. Perhaps, perhaps I shouldn't be so direct. I should be more loving. Perhaps, and you go round and round this almost soporific circle that says, let's not create trouble. But actually the church was called to be salt and light, wasn't it? It was called to light. And Jesus says, you're the synagogue of Satan. I suggest to you, um, uh, you know, supposing you said that. Yeah, that lot, they're like a synagogue of Satan. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's religious persecution by the Jews against the Christians. And religious persecution is just as vile in this day as the empire spirit is against those who follow Jesus. Yeah? Is this okay? You Stay with me. That was point two. <laughs> but it's very real, isn't it? Look at religion in the earth today. Look what it's doing. I, I mean, I've just been to Sri Lanka. The Buddhists are the worst persecutors of the Christians. And it's not nice. It's burning their houses down. It's beating pastors up. It's, you know, killing them. It's, it's all, and you think, in this lovely, beautiful land, there's a religious spirit that's seeking to squash the gospel if at all possible because of the jealousy about the power of God at work on the earth. Yeah? Okay. That was that one. <laughs> you know, like, don't you think sometimes we should be a bit more direct? Well, I don't know about that. I mean... Okay, I, I could give you four very, very juicy big subjects. If I say their names, instantly there'll be a ripple go through us all here. <gasps> you, uh, don't open that one up. Don't, no, don't touch that one. <gasps> keep away from that. And we all go, uh, let's just keep it kind of. I believe God's going to call some of us, especially young men and women, to stand up with fiery hearts and say, enough's enough. We need to speak some things that are from heaven because Jesus came full of grace and truth. You want to know what the four subjects are, don't you? <laughs> I'm not telling you. <laughs> it's like, there's a fear. Well, I'm going to be, they'll get at me on social media. If I talk about identity and marriage, oh, it came out, sorry. All right, here's the last one. <laughs> don't go any further. I will. I'll say this one as well. So this, from start to finish, is the utter clear word of God breathed by the Holy Spirit from start to finish the very truth of heaven given to men and women written by the Holy Spirit from start to finish Amen well I said it you think that's not this is under contesting come on this is under huge contesting a number of things are alright I made the point let's carry on you, verse 10 who hasn't had their tea yet Hands up if you haven't had your tea. Okay. Okay. That's. I need to let you go soon. So there's the third thing. All right, stay with me. There's the political spirit of kingdom against kingdom. Whose allegiance? Whose king? 
there's the religious spirit that says, how dare you say you've got the truth and how, how dare you, we're going to eradicate you in this community. And then there's the devil himself, verse 10. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days, which is a kind of, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, it's not a li literal number, it's a, uh, thank you, symbolic, metaphor, yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, thank you. The devil himself. In other words, <laughs> in Smyrna, the devil himself is at work and Jesus is saying, heads up, in the unseen realm, there's a real demonic strategy which is going to have you put in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution. And so again, I would like to just highlight, and this isn't easy, that in our day now, the devil is just as active with his strategies that sometimes war against you and me in a way we think is our fault or our weakness or we didn't do this, we didn't do that, and we forget actually the Bible calls him the accuser of who? The brethren. Night and day, the Bible says. That's kind of busy, night and day. Again, you can think, <gasps> well, what hope is there for me? Well, it's coming, okay? It's coming. But the yes, good. The devil himself will put some of you in prison. That's a shocking, but Jesus is saying, I want to warn you ahead of time because actually you are the rich ones, not the poor ones. And so we've got those three things in Smyrna. And I, I, again, I say, I believe they're active, those three things in our day now. I don't know what's going to happen in England, do you, in the next 10 years with the gospel? What do you think? Well, life go on as usual, won't it? All be kind of reasonable. I mean, you know, the West doesn't get disturbed. It's just other places. It wouldn't, I mean, persecution wouldn't happen in Bath, would it? in Manchester, but not in Bath. I don't know why I chose Manchester. See, if I didn't kind of put a warning up for us in the right way, I mean, and say, guys, or Paul, I will be offended when big trouble comes, things break out, and a brother's suddenly in prison for talking about Jesus. I'd be offended, thinking, God, I thought you were kind, Father. I thought you were looking after your people. And, and so part of preparing our hearts isn't to get worried. In fact, here's what Jesus said. We'll just finish up with what he says into it. Um, where have we got to? This was the point of this evening, by the way. Be faithful. <laughs> be faithful. So the word of God in the middle. Jesus is looking at you and me as in Smyrna and saying, is it Dominic? I got your name right? Good. Is a miracle. It, like, like every one of us counts as part of this beautiful heaven-sent community that's the answer to a tormented earth. And so he would look at every one of us and says, whatever's coming, be faithful. Be faithful now, guys. Be faithful. Some of you in this room I know have traveled for a very long, long time. And he, here's three things I just want to highlight in that. Number one is Remember, you're rich when you're suffering. And we could take all the evening on unpacking that, but can I just highlight it because Jesus says it. You're rich when you are in great affliction. The reason is the values of heaven 
for the believer are completely different to the values of this earth. This earth says things like, how much can I get? What can I accumulate? How much success can I have? Who can I have power over? Um, you know, and so on and so on. It's like an accumulation of me and how much I can have. And when I don't and I'm afflicted and poor, the conclusion in the earth's view is, well, you ain't much, are you? You're just poor. I'm saying the king of heaven looks at you and me who's faithful in a journey and says, because of what you've been through, you're rich in my sight. There's a richness of the true pilgrim and the follower of Jesus. Uh, and when I read those stories this morning of people in those different nations, and I almost kind of got a bit overwhelmed and thought, wow, Lord, I thought, I wonder what sort of crown they get at the end. I wonder when they spend the rest of eternity with the one who looked after them. I wonder what joy and crown it's like when you've been beaten to pieces in Somalia somewhere or China, you know, for the gospel. In heaven's sight, they're rich. So remember eternity, if you like. Secondly, Jesus says, don't be afraid, <laughs> which I find a little bit tricky, but do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. In other words, develop a trust with Jesus through whatever afflictions you have now that equip you for when bigger tests come. Everything that happens in my and your life is deliberately designed by the father of your life to gain your trust so that when more happens, you quickly hold his hand and know him well to navigate whatever comes. And then the big one that Tim wanted me to speak about, but I haven't because it's too late, is be faithful. Even unto death. Yippee! Unto death? Be faithful unto death. Be faithful in what way? I would suggest to be faithful first of all to the king who called you. Don't slip away from him and your absolute allegiance to him. Don't. Don't. Oh my goodness, sometimes when things have been really tough, there's some little whisper in me that said, you know what God, I think I may quit. I know none of you ever said that, but I've had moments when for a moment you think, ah, this is this intense pressure makes me want to quit. And Jesus is looking and said, be faithful to cling to the king you serve. I want to suggest you be faithful to his word. Be faithful to his word. There are people now who questioning his word so much they don't even read it anymore oh i don't know you know yeah i heard someone on a podcast the other day and they said this and this and this and well i heard someone say and it's a foul strategy to lure his people away the glory of his word that reveals jesus can i encourage you please be faithful to his word don't forsake his word listen it's not always easy i know but I think the faithfulness is God. This is this is what I'm gonna this is what I'm gonna live my life around. Whatever I made a decision years ago, I just said, you know what? I'm just gonna trust this. I've heard a thousand people since then do very clever things. They've said, 
I don't need any wisdom around it. No, I, I made a decision. This is his word. I'm going to live by it best I can until my last breath. Be faithful to his word and be faithful to the call he's put upon you as to why you're even on the earth. Be faithful to the call. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, he says, I urge you then as a prisoner of the Lord. And these guys, they were prisoners. I urge you, live a life worthy of the call you've been given. And then, of course, at the end is the one who's victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Oh, that's a pretty good promise, isn't it? Okay. Oh, oh, in that case, I'll... No, it's like it's the most extraordinary thing. The one who is faithful, victorious, will not be hurt at all by the second death. Um, what's the second death, by the way? The lake of fire. Marvelous. Everybody's tossed into it. That's another little topic, isn't it, we could go to, which would cause a ripple through us all. But thank you, Joel. Seriously, isn't it like the, even the issue of heaven and hell is like, <gasps> don't talk about those two things. <gasps> but there is, there is a moment, and, and I want to suggest to you, especially if you're under 30, which some of you just about are, I want to suggest to you, understanding eternity is a key to understanding how to navigate perfection. Understanding there is this end to it all where you are either ushered into his glorious affection and presence forever. Or you slipped away and it's there, isn't it? He is victorious, all right? So um, here's what I want to end with because <laughs> we've been through three things. And we heard it this morning, Sue and I. Isaiah 60 says this. glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Is that now or next year? And then it says, behold, you know, gross darkness covers the earth. But the glory, oh, it's not there, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. I'm saying that because I want you to understand in my perspective, and maybe you can talk to me, I believe darkness is increasing massively across the earth and hence this kind of warning in Smyrna and in Bath. But I also want to say I believe the glory of the Lord is coming upon his people like never before. And it is the stunning promise of the Lord that those who walk with him will have a glory upon their lives even in the middle of persecution. That's the promise. Right? God isn't saying, promise, the darkness is bad. <gasps> what am I? No, 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 this is, this is planned. You are on earth right now by his design for his glory to be upon you in the worst of times. That's Smyrna and Bath. And you and me, I don't know what to pray now because we've been everywhere, haven't we? I do know what to pray. Could we pray a little bit? Is that all right? Okay. Did you, did you want to say anything else, Tim? I can't remember what you asked me to do. It was the right city, was it? Okay. Okay, would you like to stand up?
means there's five more letters to go. I believe the Lord's calling many of us to a great waking up call. And um, I just think we need his strength and his grace, don't we, to not do normal, but to be brightly led in his glory and to bring people. Every one of us in this room, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray for a courage and a strength and a, a kind of a beautiful brightening of your lamp. I was on the phone to someone yesterday in this country and they were saying, you know, and, and they've had a real tough time and their marriage has been strained and they just felt so depressed. And they said, something just began to happen where someone at work prayed for them. And it injected into them a spark of hope again. And ever since then, she's just been becoming alive. She's praying in tongues. She's singing in her bedroom. And she said, Paul, suddenly I feel like there's hope and life again, despite everything going on around me. And something about the Lord just loved to inject a hope-giving Father, we thank you that your word is here not to push us down or make us fearful or, um, but nevertheless, Father, to prepare our hearts for what is yet to come. Father, I pray for every one of us in this room, wherever we are on the journey, especially where there's a sense of um, intense pressure at Father, I pray for an outpouring of your grace and your strength and your encouragement and even an eternal perspective where we know that the end of this is a glorious homecoming to you. I ask you, Father, give us strength and grace in the room. Lord, I pray for a courage and a boldness to call things out when they need calling out. God, I pray that we will not be compromised, sanitized, um, fluffy, <laughs> whatever. God, I pray for a bit of a roar in your camp that will cause men and women to declare from heaven and it will rescue many. I'm going to put your hand on your heart for a minute. Holy Spirit, light fires in our hearts. You know, there are prophets in this very room who need to get their voices back again. You'd be surprised who they are. You need to get your voice back again. You need to find there's a kind of a dignity and courage about the call on you to declare how heaven likes things. So, Father, I bless the voices in this room. But, God, not to us to be harsh or um, unloving, but nevertheless to say what you're saying. Father, we pray for the church in this city. Come on, pray with me for the whole of the church in this city. There's one church in Smyrna. There's one church in Bath. 
There's one community of people in Smyrna. There's one community of his people in Bath. Father, I pray, we pray, come on, pray the whole of your church in this city. Lord, there will be an ongoing awakening of many hearts that begin to burn for your kingdom to come. Jesus, for you to be made big and glorious and for many to hear of you and come running home. Keep coming. Holy Spirit.